Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 12. We'll get back to our study on the book of John here. We've been going through it slowly, but slowly. Um, John chapter 12. Uh, if you need a Bible, just raise a hand and somebody will give you a Bible if you need one. If you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one to keep. Uh, it's our gift to you. We give them out at the fairs. We give them out, try to give them out everywhere we go. You know, I was sitting there yesterday thinking and I'm like watching like, you know, I'm watching the Fellowship of the Saints and I'm watching, you know, all these people just, all these brothers and sisters just having a good time together and, you know, handing out tracts and smiling with each other and all this stuff. And uh, uh, I, 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 the, the Lord impressed upon me again the thought that all of this fruit is because it comes from some living water, right? It's all springing forth because, you know, you put enough good water in the ground with that nutrients, you know what, it'll spring forth something. And, and the Word of God is the reason why we have everything good that we, that we know. And we're in John chapter 12, and uh, you with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Whew, thank you. Uh, so how many of you were told as a child that thunder was just God bowling? I've heard that, you know, I was told that lie, this, 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 this conspiracy of parents everywhere to try to keep us oppressed. But uh, yes, that thunder was just God bowling. But according to John chapter 12, it would have been a lot more biblical to be told that thunder was God speaking. Because in John chapter 12, if you look at verse number 28, where we're going to start reading, Jesus Christ makes a request to God the Father, and in response to Jesus Christ, God the Father actually speaks audibly from heaven. See there in John 12, 28. Jesus says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And please notice that, I mean, that's amazing, right? If you actually heard God's voice from heaven, you actually, <clears throat> excuse me, heard God speak from heaven, that, that I can't think of, that's a pretty wild scene right there. But some <clears throat> hear a noise. See verse 29? The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others, right, others said an angel spake to him. So there's this great moment where Jesus Christ speaks and, um, Jesus Christ speaks and some people only hear a noise. They say, oh, it's just some thunder. Some people heard a voice. So here's my question. When God the Father spoke, what does God sound like to you? I mean... What do you hear when God speaks? Now, I just got to put myself in the scene right there in John chapter 12. When God the Father spoke in John chapter 12, I'm sure somebody in that crowd must have said to the guy standing next to him, what's that sound? What's that sound? What is that sound? And that's the question I want you to think about. What's that sound? How would you have answered if you were standing there in that crowd, would you have said, oh, it thundered? Or would you have heard a voice? And when God's word is preached today, when the word of God speaks today, what do you hear? What's that sound to you? Is it noise? Is it thunder? Or is it the voice of your father trying to speak to you? What's that sound? That's the question. That's the title. What's that sound today? What is God's voice to you today? What does it sound like? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you today. We pray we give us understanding, give us wisdom, give us insight. Change us and challenge us, Lord, by the preaching of your word. Lord, as we look into it, help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So stay right there in John chapter 12. We have three quick things I want to say about the difference between what the world hears and what a child of God is supposed to hear. And I want you to notice first there in verse 29, the world, and I'm talking about the world, are the people that do not know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. A lot of people know about Jesus. They know facts about Jesus. But when I talk about the world, I'm talking about someone who is lost, 
Someone who is not saved. Someone who has not been born again. Someone who does not have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Someone who has not taken Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior. God throws all those people, whatever religious label you slap on your forehead, God takes that whole bucket of people and calls them lost. The world, if they don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And he says that the world only hears thunder. But the Son of God hears a voice. Which bucket are you in? The world? Are you a child of God today? Please notice in verse 29, it says, The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. A lot of people just heard a noise like thunder, like a loud boom, probably like a bomb going off. That thing must have sounded like. Now go to Job chapter 37. We like to flip around in our Bibles a lot, so follow along if you can. Job 37 is right before the book of Psalms. If you cut your Bible in half, you'll probably be in the book of Psalms. And you just hang a left, and you'll be in the book of Job. If you call it the book of Job, that's okay. We still love you. The book of Job. Uh, Job 37. I want you to know that God's voice sometimes sounds like thunder. Sounds like a boom. Sounds like an explosion. Job 37 Here's what this guy Elihu says about God's voice. Watch it now. Job 37, verse 1. The Bible says, At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it unto the whole heaven and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roareth. Doesn't the thunder come after the lightning? It's right there in Job 37, right? He sends out lightning in verse 3, and after it, the lightning, a voice roareth. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. So this gentleman, Elihu, he says that God's voice is kind of like thunder. It's powerful. It's intimidating. It's awesome. It's like boom. It's that impressive. In fact, go to chapter 40 of the same book. You impressed with God's voice today? I hope so. Job chapter 40. Job chapter 40, you're in a lot of people on vacation, so you got to fill in the empty seats with some loud amens, okay? Got to give me a, get a complex. Job 40, verse number 9, okay? Job 40, verse number 9. Here's God now speaking, and God talks about his own voice. And he doesn't say, I'm a tenor or a a baritone. He says in Job 40, verse 9, hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? I mean, God himself describes his voice as thunder. And if you ever heard a loud kind of crack of thunder, man, the sound goes right through you. Like, boom, it just resonates right through you. We had kids in the garden, I think it was a year or so ago. We had a little thunderstorm run through. You would have thought the world was ending. The little kids were like grabbing onto poles and like, got, I had a revival right there. I had some people get saved. A few kids called to preach. They heard some thunder like, ah, the world is ending. Because thunder, like, boom, it just goes right through you. I mean, when thunder, a thunderclap booms from heaven, it scares some people. Because it pierces you like a sword. I mean, when God speaks from heaven through this book, you know what it does? It scares some people. Because this book is a sword. Bible calls it that. And hey, you just try it out yourself. Do a little experiment at the next family barbecue. When you start quoting this book, it's going to scare some people. Folks get rattled when you start quoting Bible verses. The air gets tense and thick and awkward when you just start quoting even something as innocent as John 3.16. People just get, like the ears start to turn. The record skips and everybody's like, what? You know, what's going on? It could be all kinds of noise, all kinds of music, but you just get into a conversation and quote a Bible verse, that room's going to go quiet and everybody's going to do a little whoop, you know, look at you like, what is going on over here? Because that's the word of God, like shaking the airwaves 
and the prince of the power of the air, the devil himself who controls the airwaves. Ooh, you're shaking and rattling his kingdom right there. You're shaking things up. We'll go hand out tracks and people might, you know, stuff him in their mouth like yesterday. We had some teenagers trying to be cute and they ate the tracks and I jumped into high school teacher mode. I wanted to drag him by his, you know, something and like, you know, teach him a lesson, but I did. And I smiled and said, that was good. That was a good one. I never saw that before. That's good, man. You know, and you can hold out a sign and somebody will say, hail Satan. And think they're really awesome when they wait for the light to change. And as they're pulling away from you in their four by four going 50 miles an hour, you are the Tyvek sign or real threatening sight. So as they're driving away, they'll be like, hail Satan and get a good distance from you because you might throw the sign at them or something. I don't know what you're going to do. But you know what really shakes it and rattles it up? When somebody starts preaching. You start preaching on the street or even you start sharing a verse with a friend. That starts shaking things up because the word of God is like that thunder. It just boom. It just rattles and shakes things up. Can you go back to John chapter 12? I'm not discouraging you from witnessing. I'm just giving you a a heads up that that's what's probably going to happen. You know, you're going to get somebody just go, whoop, you know, just turn around and take a look at you. That proverbial record will skip. What's a record? John chapter 12, verse 29. Let me show you this again. The people, therefore, John 12, 29. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. You know, it just occurred to me, I quote, I've quoted a lot of people. I've quoted Shakespeare. I've quoted, like, popular people. I got a lot of crazy stuff rattling on in my mind. None of the, nothing gets anybody's attention like a Bible verse. Isn't that strange? I could quote like, you know, Michael Jordan talking about this or the president talking about that or this guy talking about this or this lady saying that. But if I quote a Bible verse, all of a sudden, like everybody's hair stands up on the back of their neck and gets like, "Mm." you know, everybody gets in that strange. Doesn't that strike you as interesting that this book is just very different than any other book on the face of the earth? How come I could quote a church father or I could quote a, a somebody that's pretty famous in the world. But when I quote the Bible, It just gets everybody rattled a little bit, some for the good and some for the bad, but it just shakes the tree a little bit. And in John chapter 12, verse 29, some thought it was an angel's voice. We see verse 30, Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Can you notice, please, that the Son of God knew that it was the Father's voice? The Son of God knew exactly who it was that was speaking. Do you? I hope you do. You know why the son knew it was the father's voice? I'll give you three quick reasons. Number one, he was family. He knew his father's voice. Number two, he was familiar. He'd been listening to his father's voice all his life. And number three, he had been following his father's voice all his life. That's a good way to see if you know the father's voice. Are you family? Are you familiar? Are you following? Can you go to John chapter 10? I'll show you right there. There's just a couple of pages to the left. John chapter 10, please. And look at verse number four. John 10, four. 10, four. Roger, Roger. 10, four. All right, John 10, four. Look what the Bible says here. Jesus is speaking. He says, and when he, meaning the good shepherd, putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Brethren, God's sheep know God's voice because they're in God's flock. Are you in the family? Are you hearing his voice? Sometimes the Bible sounds like gobbledygook to the world because he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God, right? If I'm not from like some country in Africa, if I show up in some country in Africa, I'm not going to understand the language. I'm going to feel really out of place. But when the Bible is spoken or preached or read, you know what? You're from that country. That's where you're from, beloved. That's where your address is. That's where you really live today in Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be sounding so foreign to you. It should be more familiar to you if you're in the family. You should recognize your father's voice a little bit. Go to verse number five. Let me show you another one. It says, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Hey, God's family shouldn't be familiar with strange voices. 
foreign voices, voices that are contrary to the Father's voice. Are you getting too cozy with voices that are not the voice of that book? Let me bother you a little bit. Can I do that? I'm making a living doing that, but I'm not. But let me just, uh, how much time do you spend with the scriptures compared to social media? If I clocked you in a week, how much time are you looking at your ding dong or flip flop or chicken wing, whatever the newest thing is that that people are scrolling through, like whatever it is you're scrolling through, how much time do you flip flop? spit bop, you know, ding dop, tick tock, you know, how much time are you scrolling on YouTube or boob tube and very little time for the scriptures. And you wonder why the Bible seems like so odd to you when, when we preach it sometimes, when someone shares it with you. Isn't that weird? I wonder, do you listen to podcasts more than the preaching of God's word? Listen to your favorite talking head instead of the head, Jesus Christ, the church. Amen. Does this book sound foreign or familiar to you? You know what's going to be the difference with this Bible sounding foreign or familiar to you? How much time you spend listening to it. How much time you spend paying attention to it. You know, um, my boys, Johnny's going to know who this is, but my boys were listening to this. Here I go. My boys were on YouTube this week. Here I go like a hypocrite. But my boys were talking about this YouTuber this week, this guy named Technoblade. Right, and he, he died of, of cancer. And uh, I think my son said he might have been a Christian. So they were watching him do this goodbye video, and we were like, Is that his voice? I'm not sure. Is that his voice? Is that really his voice? And my boys were like, No, 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 no. I recognize that voice. You know why they recognize the voice of this kid? Because they'd spend some time watching some of his videos and listening to his voice previously. So when they heard this new thing, they said, No, no, that's him. That's him. I know his voice. Guys, when God speaks, Do you recognize his voice, right? Are you spending any time or enough time listening to what he said already? So when he says something now through his word, it doesn't sound like, you know, you kind of like know what he said. Yeah, that's, that's my father speaking. Look at verse 27. Look at verse 27. Then Jesus goes on to make this great statement. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they Follow me. I ask you, are you in the family? Can I get an amen if you're in the family? I'm not going to ask you to amen about how familiar you are, but I do want to see, are you following God's voice at all? Or are you fleeing from what sounds like thunder to you? You know, I know sometimes I get excited or you lift up your voice on the street. I mean, get a backbone. I mean, if the Bible kind of puts a little steel in your backbone, you should be able to take the messages of God's word and kind of like take them in. I mean, I might be offensive sometimes, but the word of God is never offensive. Jesus Christ looked at his disciples and he said, doth this offend you? Am I making you stumble because I'm just telling you what my father has told me, it's not supposed to make you stumble. You're not supposed to be running away from what God says. And and God is trying to tell you something straight and true and direct. And sometimes that's a little bit like thunder. Sometimes that booms a little bit. Sometimes that resonates a little bit. Sometimes there's some emphasis and some oomph in Bible preaching. Why? Because it's the truth. How can you just tell the truth like it's, oh, eggs are on sale today. That's great. Tube socks, three for a dollar. That never happens. But I mean, wow, you know, it's not some boring thing. I'm not telling you that mulch is three for 10 at Lowe's, though it was three for 10 at Lowe's. I got my mulch, right? I'm telling you what God has said. How can you just be like, the Bible says, you know, hey, if somebody came running in and you had a terminal disease and I said, I got the cure, I got the cure, I got the cure, I think I'd be pretty excited to share the cure with you. I think I'd be pretty excited to give it out to you. I couldn't just be like, hey, you're terminal? Well, um, you could try this if you want. I mean, it's like, no, you'd be like, look what I found. Look what I got. So sometimes Bible preaching in the Bible, it has a little thunder to it. Why? Because the Bible is powerful and the truth is powerful. And you should embrace that. You should relish in that. You should be hearing and familiar with the Father's voice. Hey, when you follow somebody on Twitter, or something like this, or follow me at, right, whatever it is, you know what? 
you'll learn more about that person when you follow them, right? You see what they liked, you see what they pinned, you see all this stuff. You kind of get a feel for what kind of person they are. When you follow God's voice, you know what happens. You become more and more familiar with your Savior. You find out what he likes. You find out what he doesn't like. You start to see a little bit more about who he is. I hope that's who you are today. I hope you want to find out who is this great God that was willing to die on a cross for me. I like to learn a little bit more about him. You don't find it by staring at the leaves. You stare at, you find out it by hearing and learning the scriptures. The leaves of this book are what you'll be turning in your life. And as you start following that voice, you start to see, oh, that's what my good shepherd really is all about. I wonder, brethren, what does God sound like to you? Intimidating thunder or an inviting voice? Is he an inviting voice to you? Oh, I hope he is. You know, in the book of Revelation, you don't have to flip over there. The apostle John gets this vision. And he says in Revelation that the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet. So it was loud, right? Trumpets are not like recorders, right? They're not like flutes, right? Trumpets are loud, man. This boom, they make a loud sound, the trumpet. But even though it was loud and strong, John said, it was a voice talking with me. And the Bible might thunder across the page or it might thunder across the pulpit. You know what it's supposed to be for you, Christian? It's supposed to be God's voice talking with you, pleading with you. Even now, the voice of God is going out through the pages of the Bible and the preaching of his word, trying to speak to your hearts and speak to your soul and speak to your mind to renew you. You realize in Genesis chapter 3 that God came down in the Garden of Eden as, quote, the voice of the Lord? That's what he came as. He came as a voice. Why? To fellowship with his creation. Not to frighten them away. They were running away from him and he was running to them. How? As a voice. And right now, if you're running from God, you know what he's trying to do right now? He's reaching out to you with his voice and saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's the voice of the Lord, right? It says at the end of Revelation and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. All through the Bible, the voice of the Lord is chasing sinners and pursuing the saints, just saying, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. That bride of Solomon In the Song of Solomon, you know what she says about her bridegroom's voice? What you should say about your Savior's voice. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend. Is that how you feel about your Savior's mouth? Is it like a friend? Is it your beloved Bible? Is it his beloved voice to you? That's what the bride of Solomon said, and that's supposed to be a picture of you. Do you feel that way about his voice? I hope so. Because go to Psalm 29. Let me give you a point number two. You know what happens? See, the world, the world doesn't hear that. You know what the world hears? The world is scared. The world hears power that threatens to destroy them and their way of life. But you know what? The saints hear a promise that's going to deliver them. You see the difference, right? The world hears thunder because all they think of that Bible, this powerful book, this dangerous book that threatens to destroy them and upend their way of life. But the saints of God hear promises that are there to deliver them and help them and give them delight. Look at Psalm 29 as David describes God and his voice. He says in Psalm 29, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And a big amen should go there. Just praise God that we know him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Here it comes. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Notice right in there that the psalmist points to thunder to describe God's voice because the voice of the Lord, it's powerful, man. It's powerful. 
My voice isn't powerful. God's voice is powerful. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. It's powerful. You know, I was doing a little research to find out what thunder is. And thunder, I discovered, this part I knew, don't laugh at me, is caused by lightning. I knew that part, okay? I knew that part. Thunder is caused by lightning, which is essentially lightning, a stream of electrons, energy, flowing between or within clouds, or between a cloud and the ground. Now, the air surrounding that stream of electrons gets heated to as hot as 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is three times hotter than the surface of the sun. When that lightning bolt comes down, the air around that bolt gets three times hotter than the surface of the sun. And what happens is, as that superheated air starts to cool, it produces this tube, this like little vacuum tube around the bolt of lightning or the stream of electrons. And what happens is, the superheated air starts cooling, it produces this tube, and the nearby air starts expanding and contracting, and this causes that column going around the lightning bolt to vibrate kind of like a like a drum head and it produces a tremendous crack that you hear when the storm rolls in and as those vibrations gradually die out the sound echoes and reverberates generating the rumbling we call thunder now if my bad impression of bill nye the science guy didn't make any sense for you just remember this thunder is the sound you hear when an extreme surge of power comes from above When there's a massive surge of power from above, the air gets hot, the air gets tense, and things start rumbling and rattling and cracking, and that's what we call thunder. And can you see verse 5, please? The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Can I tell you how strong God's voice is? God's voice is so powerful, it can break the mighty cedars of Lebanon. You know what that tells me? The word of God can break the very best that man can build with. The very best that man built. I mean, they built the temple with some of those cedars of Lebanon. I mean, some of those great mighty trees that grow in Lebanon. These things were sought after as building materials. You know God's voice can destroy them just with a voice, just with a word. The very strongest man can build with. God says, I could take it out. You know, when a, street, a tree gets struck by lightning, a lot of things can happen. It can explode. That can happen. If a tree gets struck by lightning, it could just blow up. It can die, or it can be scarred forever if it gets struck by lightning. You know, what are you building with? Is it something that God's going to strike down? Is it something that's against the Bible that one day he's going to have to turn over? You say, oh, no, no, I got all this stuff set up. It's like my cedars of Lebanon. Hey, if you're building contrary to what God says, one day he's going to topple it. And one day he's going to knock it down. Or you might just be scarred forever because you've been building contrary to the Bible. Don't do that. Don't do that. Are you building your fill in the blank with this book or against God's book? The choice is yours, man. We've all got free will. We've got a choice that we can make. We can build with a sure foundation, or we can build contrary to this book. If you're building contrary to this book, the storm is a-coming, and the lightning's coming, and that lightning in the face of even the mighty cedars of Lebanon will be broken, and great will be the fall of it. Keep going with me to Jeremiah 23, can you? Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Oh, man, it's a mighty voice. I want to be on the right side of that voice. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah, he he preached in a bad time. Probably very similar to the times we're living in. A nation that had gone into apostasy, that once knew God very well. Hello. I mean, right? I mean, it's very akin to where we are today. Um, A nation that once knew God in spirit and in truth like Judah did. In total apostasy, that's where Jeremiah is standing up. And we stand up today in a country that 
had a little bit more of a Christian heritage than we did today. I mean, I know, I don't know if we ever were a Christian nation. I think we were pretty close. I don't know if there's a such thing as a Christian nation. If you read your Bible, the two are a little bit hard to have a Christian nation, but I think our nation was a lot more Christian probably 50 years ago or a hundred years ago. I think we could all agree on that. So I think we feel pretty akin to old Jeremiah here. I mean, we're standing up trying to hold the light and hold the truth. And Jeremiah felt all alone. Jeremiah Jeremiah felt like the only guy in a crowd of people that wanted nothing to do with his God. And sometimes we feel like that, right? Even among people that profess to know God, we look like oddballs. You believe the Bible? You believe God preserved the Bible for us? You believe that King James? What's the matter with you? That's weird, man. You guys are like freaks or something like that. We were told that just a couple, just yesterday, right, brother? We We were alluded to that yesterday, that we believe that God is strong enough to leave us a book. Wow, I don't know what kind of God other Christians have, but my God is strong enough not only to hang the stars, but to keep the words, amen? So that's, that's why I believe this book, right? Because that's, that's who my God is. And, and Jeremiah is standing up, and he's got some tough messages to preach. He's not preaching like God loves you and has a wonderful will for your life. He's preaching like repent. He's preaching judgment is coming. He's preaching you better get right. He's preaching Babylon's going to come and smack you upside the head because you've been so disobedient to your God. That's what Jeremiah is preaching. Sometimes Jeremiah would be like, God, I don't want to do this. I want to quit. Can I quit? Where's the, where's the clock? Can I clock out? Anybody been there? Like, God, I'm, I'm at, I'm done. I'm quitting. I, I can't do this anymore, God. And Jeremiah, they dropped Jeremiah in the dungeon and he sank in the mire and he's down there trying to serve God and he's up to his waist. Talk about taking a plunge. He's up to his waist in muck and mire and this Ethiopian has to rope him out with like towels and clods of cloth that they use to hoist him out. Nobody wanted anything to do with Jeremiah. That's who's talking here. And in here, he says this in verse 19. Jeremiah 23, 19. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. Anytime you see a whirlwind in your Bible, second coming of Christ. He comes as a whirlwind, right? Of the Lord has gone forth in fury. Even a grievous whirlwind, it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. There's your Antichrist right there getting crushed. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, talking about the, the numbskulls of his day, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. He's saying, you see all these guys running around preaching, claiming all this stuff from God? He goes, I didn't send them. I sent Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the one with a negative message. So before you think I'm being too negative, you better read your Bible. Because the people of God wanted to hear the smooth things. Don't prophesy unto us right things. Prophesy unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits, they would, they would tell the prophets. And God says, you see all these prophets running around, smiling and talking about everything's great and God's great and God's happy with you, living like a pig? He says, I didn't send them. I sent that raspy guy, Jeremiah, that you want to kill and throw into jail. That's the one I sent because the only one with guts enough to tell the people to repent and turn to God. And he says in verse number 23, am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? I have heard what the prophet said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophet's Uh, that prophesy lies. Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. He's saying these people are so caught up in this contemporary stuff, they're the same as the Baal worshipers from old. They might as well be worshiping the devil because I'm nowhere near anything they're saying or talking about. You say, Pat, that's hard. I didn't say that. God said that. That's what the Bible says that God said in a time very analogous to ours. And he goes on to say, verse number 28, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. 
And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff? Those are the prophets with their dreams. To the wheat, those are the preachers with the word, saith the Lord. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? He says, they want to tell their little dreams and have their little whatever they do. Let them have them. You know, we do with our booze. God help us. We just hand out the word of God. We just hand out the word of God. We just hand out the word of God. Because that's where the power is, man. He says God's voice is so powerful, it can pulverize man's very foundation. Right? You know, you get a, you get a peal of thunder or a crack of thunder close enough. You know, it can shatter a window. And like a peal of thunder can shatter glass, God's word right there in verse 29 says, it can break the rock in pieces. It can shatter and pulverize rock itself, the foundation of our building itself. That's amazing. Because when, when, when Jesus Christ comes back, and he's coming back, When Jesus Christ comes back, that two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth, it's going to break the world. It's going to break the world system. It's going to break the Antichrist system. It's going to level and topple the very kingdoms that this world has built up. You remember what we read, right, early when I did my science lesson? The air gets three times hotter than the sun when lightning strikes and causes thunder. What does verse 29 say? Is not my word like as a fire? It's like a fire. We think it's going to be a sword coming out like a, like a blade. No, it's going to be fire coming out. His sword is going to be like fire coming out. And it's going to be fire that devours and destroys everything. Because that's what fire does. And when he comes back against the Antichrist and his kingdom and all those people that frustrate you now, guess what? He's coming back and that sword's coming out like a flame of fire just devouring the Antichrist and all his wickedness in front of him. Hey, in When it talks about the second coming of Christ in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel gets a vision of Jesus Christ coming back. And do you know what he says in Daniel 7.10? He says, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. When he comes back, it's going to be like, whoa, like fire, like a sword. And when the word of God comes back, he will burn this evil world systems to, not the trees. I like the trees. Not the Grand Canyon, that's already gotten hit by the flood. He's good at that evil, that iniquity, that system. When I say the world, I'm not talking about the beautiful park you went to yesterday. I'm talking about the evil system and the rudiments and the way of thinking that this world operates by. He's going to roast it one day. He's going to level it, topple it, and bring in a new world and a new heavens wherein dwelleth righteousness. Can I get an amen there? I won't get an amen out there to that. But that's why the world is so worried about this book. They know. They know. That's why they want to ban this book. Because they know. If they could just make it go away, if we could just put our fingers in our ears long enough and go la, 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 and pretend like the Bible isn't out there and God doesn't exist, then maybe all the Bible prophesied won't come to pass. That's not very smart. That's not a smart way of doing anything, right? It's like going to the doctor and they tell you, you're going to be dead in six months. La, 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 right? It's not going to help you. It'd be better to embrace the diagnosis and see what you could do to change course, right? That would be a smart thing to do. It's kind of like a rumble of thunder. You hear that rumble of thunder in the distance? It signals a storm. Well, the world knows this book spells trouble for them. The devil knows this book spells trouble for them. Martin Luther wrote about it. He said... One little word shall fell or take out the devil and all his, you know, all his stuff. Go to John chapter 12. Go to John chapter 12. Look at this. I didn't say this. Jesus said it, right? Jesus said it. John 12. John chapter 12. The world's worried about it, man. John chapter 12, verse 46. Bible says, Jesus speaking, I am come a light into the world that, I just want to make sure I read this right. Whosoever, just want you to see that everybody, whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. 
For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my W-O-R-D-S hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And we're trying to get out to every fair we can to save as many people from that judgment and turn as many people to righteousness as we can. But make no mistake, if they continue to reject, it's not going to be you that judges them or whoever. It's going to be the words are going to actually turn around and judge them. And they know that. The world knows deep down that this book is against them. And this book is going to judge them. Brethren, why else would people get so upset when somebody hangs God's words on their door? Isn't that crazy? I had a lady this week call me up. You thought she just blew a sprocket. Like you thought she just had a a heart attack and somebody just broke her door down and stole her cat and like killed her children. She calls me up flipping out. What happened? What happened? Somebody hung this thing on my door. I said, ma'am, would you get upset if somebody put a Chinese food menu on your door? She didn't like that too much. She didn't lie. I was doing a little, that was a little too, I, I should have sent her some Mugu Gai Pan or something like that. That did not go over too well. Like that was that. I said, okay, okay, okay. I said, just, oh, when, I said, let me just give you a little piece of advice. When you get something on your door that you don't like, here's a life lesson. Here's a life hack. You can write this down. Open your garbage can lid and drop it in, and somebody will take it for you. It's an amazing thing we live in America. She didn't like that too much. She didn't like that too much either. But, and I wasn't smug about it. I was just trying to be like, listen, what are we talking about here? Some of the guys go around. I mean, a few months ago, a guy came out down there in Tom's River like he looked like he was Jabba the Hutt and he was like, the guys told me and he was ready to have like a, a four alarm heart attack screaming like, how dare you put this on my door? The guy with the pizza menus didn't get that response. Amen. Why the guy with the Gospel of John got that response? Amen. You got a thing like, oh, pff, windows. Yeah, sure, I'm going to get windows from you. You take that thing, you throw it in the garbage. I'm calling up these guys right now. <laughs> how dare you put a window advertisement replacement? Um, no, you know why? Because that spirit that works in the children of disobedience hates that book and knows that that book is against them and wants to banish that book from the public square. They want to get rid of it. Why else would that happen? But can you go to Exodus chapter 19? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Do you do any thinking like that? Does anything, you ever think about, you know, if you just looked at it empirically, you'd say, there's got to be something up with that Bible. Something about that Bible is different that everybody makes such a fuss about it. Exodus 19, verse 16. Exodus 19, 16. Now, while the world is worrying about God's thunder, can I tell you what the saints of God are supposed to be doing? The saints of God are supposed to be waiting for God's voice. We're supposed to be looking forward to it, longing for it, expecting it, waiting on it. Look at Exodus 19. Look at this contrast I'm going to show you here. Here's God coming down at Mount Sinai. And it says in Exodus 19, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning, because God comes back in the third day, if you know your Bible, uh, that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud Uh, upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Can I tell you, when God came down at Sinai, those outsiders, those people that hadn't been there with, with Moses, you know what they did? They had to stay back. That thunder, that trumpet, it made them tremble. It made them cower. It made them exceedingly fear and quake because they were outsiders. When they heard that trumpet, it scared them. But can you go to Revelation chapter 4? Can I show you the contrast for the saints of God? That trumpet's not supposed to make you scared. That voice isn't supposed to make you you tremble. Revelation 4, it's a little different here. This is the rapture, not the revelation. But it's the same God. It's it's his voice. And it says in Revelation 4 here, John is speaking, and John is a picture of the church. 
right? He's that beloved disciple, like Christ so loved the, loved the church. It says, after this, and he's talking about the whole church age that has just happened before him. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. That means somebody's getting ready to go up. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Brethren, when Jesus Christ appears for his church, the saints are going to hear a voice that says, come up hither. They're not going to tremble and stay back. It's not going to be thunder that makes them quake. It's going to be a voice that is inviting them into the presence of their Savior to come up. Isn't that a blessing? That's not a warning coming down. That's a welcome to come up. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Are you waiting for that welcome? Oh, I'm waiting for that call. I'm waiting for that call. I hope you're waiting for that call. Man, if that call came today, there isn't a problem in your life that wouldn't be fixed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It'll be fixed right there. Your biggest, baddest problem, your bills, your heartaches, your disappointments, health stuff, guess what? If God said, come up hither in about five minutes, if you're saved, there wouldn't be a problem that wouldn't be fixed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that. Go to Song of Solomon. Now, those people who are outsiders, they heard a warning coming down, stay back. We hear a welcome, come on up. Go to Song of Solomon. Here's another great picture of Jesus Christ and his church. You got to read the Song of Solomon. We did a study on that about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago. Hard to know about your relationship with Christ better than studying the Song of Solomon. Because your relationship with Christ is supposed to be a love affair. It's a love affair between you and your bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, we got the bride speaking, who's a picture of you, the church. And her bridegroom, who's a picture of Jesus Christ, is saying something. Look at Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse number 7. And look at this beautiful picture. The bride says, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. And then watch what happens. Paragraph mark. Then he comes. And she says, the voice of my beloved. Exclamation point. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Oh man, Solomon's bride wasn't troubled by that sound. She was thrilled. She put an exclamation mark on the end of that sentence. She said, it's the voice of my beloved. She didn't want to want to run away. She wanted to run to him. She was so excited to hear him. She was thrilled. Look at verse 10. Look what he says to her. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Woo! Sounds a lot like come up hither, doesn't it? Look at verse number 13. Look at the end of 13. He says it again. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Woo! Her beloved was calling her to come up hither. You know what hither means? To where I am. To my place. That's what you're going to hear his voice say to you, church. Come to where I am, guys. It's so bad down there. I'm going to wreck it in a few minutes. You come on up to where I am. That's how you know the rapture is before the tribulation. That's how you know, because no husband would leave his bride, who he loved, to get destroyed and beaten up when he brings the bulldozer through. He'd say, honey, let's get out of the way first before I topple this stuff. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to topple the world and all this wickedness. Honey, let's come up. Come to be where I am. Let me hide you in my secret chamber for a little while in that cleft of the rock while I take care of all this nonsense and make it right for our honeymoon. Amen? That's, that's the beloved speaking to you. Are you longing to hear that sound? Are you uh, exclaiming like the bride, oh, the voice of my beloved? Or are you trembling like the world? Stay back. Stay away. That's some scary stuff right there, Pat. Can you imagine? Just, just, just bear with me a little of my folly. Can you just... You have never heard God speak audibly. I know if you read the Bible out loud, you hear him speak audibly. I get it. But you've never actually heard his audible voice. Can you imagine what it will be like to finally hear the Lord's voice? The first thing you'll hear him say to you is, come home. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so gracious? That's so amazing. You know, go to John chapter 10 if you would flip over there, John chapter 10. What a different attitude we should have towards his voice. We see how the world, they're afraid, but we shouldn't be afraid. Don't be afraid of his voice. You should be longing to hear that voice. You know, my dad, was it 2022? I'm checking for me, not you. Don't worry. All right. But my dad died over 14 years ago. And I hadn't heard his voice in a long, long time. And I, I stumbled on this old answering machine for the kids in the room, answering machines with these little things you put next to the phone. And it was actually a tape in there and it would record people's messages when you called. Right? And then the pterodactyls would fly overhead and the storks would leave the babies at the stoop. But anyway, um, I found this old answering machine and he had left a message on it and I had saved it. And just as I knew there was his message on it, I just wanted to hear his voice. And I played it and I heard his voice and I, I started crying. I don't know, just call me whatever you want to call me, think whatever you want to think of me. But I just heard his voice and just hearing the audible sound of my father's voice again, not just in memory, but in like in, in, in my ears, it like moved my heart. It kind of just moved me a little bit, did something to me. What's going to happen Amen. when you hear the Savior's voice for the first time? You never heard it. You've read about it, and I know sometimes you've gotten so close that you felt like you'd almost touch it, but you've never actually heard it. The first thing you're going to hear is going to be him calling your name. Amen. That's going to be the first thing you hear him say, Marie, come up hither. Amen. Ray, come up hither. That's the first, isn't that amazing? The first thing you're going to hear him say is your name. You know how I know that? Go to John chapter 10. I'll show you. John chapter 10, verse number 1. John chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth, verse 1, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. There's your Savior, Jesus Christ. To him, the porter openeth. God the Father opens the door for the Son. Watch this. Remember we read about a door in Revelation 4, opening in heaven? Here's the door, ready? And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. You see? Jesus is going to say, open the door, Dad! He opens the door, he steps into the atmosphere, and he's going to call your name. You're going to hear his name. Didn't you ever read about Jesus when he found Mary after the resurrection? But he, now he said something to her. But when he wanted to reveal himself to her, you know what the first thing he said was? Mary. Amen. And she said, Rabboni. She knew his voice when he called her name. Amen. And brother, he's going to call your name. And you're going to know that voice. You're going to say, oh, it's the voice of my beloved. Amen exclamation point is going to go right there. You know, you say, how could God do that? What's going to happen when you hear the Savior's voice for the first time? You're going to hear your name called. You say, how can that be? There's millions of Christians maybe in the earth, thousands at the least. How's that going to happen? Well, only God, right? Only God can inspire a book that speaks to all of his children differently at the same time. Amen? Amen? We get together on Tuesday night. We read a chapter. What'd you see? I saw this. I saw that. I saw this. You could listen to the same message. I got this out of it. I got that out of it. I got nothing out of it. Right? Everybody, different people all over the room. How is that possible? We could read the same words and you get blessed by this verse. You get blessed by that verse. It makes you think of this. Oh, I thought of that. I was reading this. I saw that. How is that possible? The same God can take the same voice and speak to all of you differently at the same time. Because he's God. Can I tell you then when the rapture comes, only the Savior can call all his followers and say each name differently at the same time. He could speak to that little inner ear of yours at the same time and say all your names, all different names. Why? Because he's God. I mean, the world hears a boom like thunder and you hear a blessing. You don't hear destruction. You hear deliverance. You know, it's probably going to sound like a bomb going off when he speaks like that to the world because when he spoke there, it sounded like boom, like thunder. Just, just... This is not doctrine. Just what if me for a second. 
World's getting awfully tense, isn't it? World's getting awfully violent, isn't it? World's getting awfully scary, isn't it? Who's going to have a nuke? Who's not going to have a nuke? Who's going to push the button? Who's not going to push the button? What if, what if, what if? What if as the bombs are about to rain down on the world, we get a call to come home? And the world thinks it's a bomb going off, and it's really the voice of my beloved saying, come up hither. Wouldn't that be a thing? Wouldn't that be a thing? And if you're saved, when that happens, you won't be wondering, what's that sound? You'll hear his voice call your name. And if the world is running from that thunder, shouldn't you be running to that voice? Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. I got just one little point here, one little tiny, tiny point. 1 Kings 19. Last point here, and it's, it's really short, just to challenge you a little bit. That's the difference. The world, man, the world hears thunder. Son of God hears a voice. The world hears a, a power that threatens to destroy them. The saints hear a promise to deliver them. <clears throat> In 1 Kings 19, you'll see this. The world hears dissonance when God speaks. The saved should hear direction. We should be running to that voice, not away from it. You see, 1 Kings 19, to the world, God's voice probably sounds like noise, right? Discord, harshness, thunder, a jarring melody, that's, or unmelody, I should say. That's what uh, noise is, right? That's what the Bible sometimes sounds to the world. It's just noise. That preaching is noise. Get a job, right? You get that on the corner. Get a job. And Pete says, it's Saturday, you know? But anyway, and to the world, I think sometimes God's instructions and God's directions must sound like a teacher from those old Charlie Brown specials, like wah, 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 right? You know, the Bible says it's like wah, 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 wah. It just, it's like nonsense. It's like gobbledygook. It's like nothing. I hope you don't feel that way when God speaks. Because when Adam was hiding in the garden from God, can I tell you the voice of the Lord called unto him? He didn't want to sound like wah, 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 wah. He said, where art thou? He was calling out to him when he was running from God. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, you have a very discouraged preacher. You have a very discouraged prophet, Elijah. Jezebel has just threatened him. You know, I'm going to kill all you guys. And he had just stood up to the prophets of Baal. Now he's running from this crazy lady and he's hiding out in a cave, kind of like Adam was hiding behind that fig tree. And it says in verse nine of first Kings 19, and he came hither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and seek thy, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth. He said, keep going, man. Keep on keeping on. That's what the word of God says. Don't give up. Don't quit. And stand upon the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. See, if you're hiding from God, the Lord doesn't want to scream at you. He doesn't want to send an earthquake or a windstorm, or a fire. Hey, if anybody's a parent in here, you'd much rather have a conversation with your child than come in like the bat out of the proverbial hell at your child, right? You'd rather talk to them than have to chase them down. That's what God's saying here. He's like, I'm not coming here, Elijah, to like turn your world upside down. I just want to talk to you. Isn't that a blessing? I just want to speak to you. And if today your heart is heavy, or you feel away from God, or maybe you're running from God, or maybe you're in your cave like Elijah. He doesn't want to send the wind. He doesn't want to send an earthquake. He doesn't want to send a fire and burn you. He just wants to come in, in a still, small voice and talk with you. And in verse 13, it was so when Elijah heard it, meaning that voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? See, God, Lord wants to speak to you. So you rise up one more time. 
I know you might be like Elijah discouraged today. He doesn't want, he's not trying to earthquake you back. He's not trying to chase you out of the cave. He's just saying, listen, listen, can we just talk? Like that voice of the Lord found Adam behind the fig leaf. Can we just talk? Can you talk to me? Can I talk to you for a little bit? Can I just let my still small voice? Listen, the preacher can spit into the third row, pound the pulpit with his hand as hard as he can, grit his teeth and holler. But unless the word of God, unless the spirit of God speaks that thing to your soul in a still small voice, you're not doing anything different. I know that. I hope you know that. The word of God has got to just come in like that breeze, like that still small voice and speak to your soul. And that's when you start to really do something with the Bible. I'm trying, but I recognize you've got to be willing to be like Elijah. You've got to be willing to stand up in that cave and come out of that cave and engage the voice of the Lord and see what he has to say and what he wants you to do. Brethren, God doesn't want to come like an angry father who bellows like thunder. God Almighty wants to guide you and direct you with his still, small voice. Are you listening? Are you listening? There's so much noise in between your ears right now. There's so much noise rising up in your heart right now. There's so much chatter and there's so much volume and there's so much stuff. God's saying, can you turn that off? Come out of the cave. Come out from behind the tree where you're hiding and can you just... Talk to me and let me talk to you. That's what he's trying to do right now. D.L. Moody said, there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. Can you stop resisting? Stop hiding? Stop running? Stop, you know, doing that stuff. Another old saint said, to silence the voice of God is damnation in time. Stop drowning him out. Stop turning up the noise, turning up the music, you know, shutting church out, shutting the Bible out, shutting other Christians out. Why? So I just don't have to listen to what he has to say because then he, what? Then he'll just help you. Then he'll just show you that you might be wrong and show you how to fix it. Go to Isaiah 30. Here's our last verse. Isaiah 30 is our last verse. Isaiah 30. Do you, does he have to send an earthquake? Does he have to send a fire? Does he have to blow you over with his wind to get your attention? Or can you be sensitive enough to just say, Lord, talk to me now? Do you pray that before you read your Bible? Isaiah 30, verse 15. You know, Israel was, I know they were Jewish, but they might have been Italian because they had thick heads. And um, Israel wouldn't listen to God's voice. So God had to bring them through trouble to get them to listen. Watch the change here in Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not. But ye said, no, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall ye flee, and we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall ye flee. He goes, you guys are going to lose all your strength. The enemy's going to get you. Till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain, and as an ensign on a hill. You're going to be left all alone with nothing. And therefore, because you won't listen, because you're going to try to do this on your own, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him, for the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, he's saying, even though I'm going to take you through those deep waters and put you through that trial of affliction and make you weep so that you finally turn to me, look what he says. Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see my te- thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a voice, a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. Now, he says, you're finally going to hear my voice, Israel, but they had to take their lumps first. 
Can I counsel you, Christian? You don't have to do that. Why wait for trouble or endure God's chastening hand when you can obey His voice today? When you can listen today? Amen? Why not give, have the heart of little Samuel who said, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Right, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to get out of this message? What do you want me to get out of this Bible? What are you trying to say to me, God? Can you pray that prayer? Why not? Why not take heed to your loving Savior who beckons even now? If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. That's what he says. That's what he's saying right now to you. An old preacher said, God speaks to those who are prepared in their hearts to listen. Discern the voice from heaven above, the noisy din of earth's confusion. In other words, don't let the noise keep you from his voice. You say, what's that sound? You know what that sound is right now in your ears and your heart? That's the Holy Spirit of God trying to speak to you. Trying to plead with you trying to impress something upon you from his word. Are you going to hear his voice? Or is the last hour just going to be another one of those noisy things again? Is the Bible just going to be noise to you for a Sunday morning or a Thursday night or whenever it plugs in for you? Or are you going to be seeking to hear his voice? Say, what's that sound, God? What are you trying to say to me, God? The world won't listen. So Jesus Christ is going to roar like thunder when he returns. And it's going to be too late for them. But it's not too late for any of you. Man, the saved are called home by Jesus Christ's voice. If we're called home by his voice, that means right now we're supposed to cultivate a life of listening to that voice, of drawing near to that voice, of of hearkening to that voice. Not later, now, today. So what does God sound like to you? What do you hear when God speaks? That's the question. Let's stand for prayer.